from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. Despite the frigid temperatures in Gainesville, the Gator calendar continues to get hotter, with more and more sports getting fired up for the spring. We've chronicled the early stretches of SEC play for both basketball squads, and we'll give you the latest on the men's team today by chatting with forward Justin Leon and FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry. We'll also shine a light on the three-time defending national champion gymnastics team on the eve of their first home meet by talking with first-year coach Jenny Rowland. But to get us started, underdog stories are one of the reasons we love sports. No matter how big or small the scale, there's something exhilarating about seeing the unexpected. When Justin Leon transferred to Florida from Shawnee Community College in Illinois, the JUCO product was thought to be an energy guy who could spell the regulars off the bench. But since the SEC opener against Georgia, he's been a fixture in the starting lineup for Mike White and keeps getting better and better. We asked the Arkansas native how he reacted when he found out he would be in the starting five for the Florida Gators. At first, I wasn't aware because he did it with like 10 minutes left before warm-ups. And Coach May had came with him and he's like, we're going to start you tonight. And I'm like, oh, for real? And then he's like, yeah, just take a deep breath and just go out there and play. And it just went from there, really. What additional pressure did it put on you to be in the starting lineup? I know for a fact you had to start off ready from jump because, you know, sitting on the bench, you get a chance to watch the game. But I know starting, you know, you just got to be ready for the jump. So I guess you could say that it's a little bit more pressure just being starting off mentally, you know, ready right off the bat. I know energy was a big thing against Tennessee and then against LSU, you guys really got that back. What did you think the difference was between those two games? Tennessee, we weren't mentally prepared, I think. And LSU, we were due to the fact that we saw what happened at Tennessee. So we didn't want to have two back-to-back games like that, especially LSU being at home. So I just think that it was just a mental thing with us, really. Coach White tends to be pretty mild-mannered, at least from what everybody else can see on the outside. So the way he responded after the Tennessee game, the way he kind of lit into you guys, what message did that send? It was just that it's really on us as players, you know, because we're the ones who go out there and go to battle. So it's really, you know, it's, it's all on us. And I guess like the Tennessee game, you know, he was on us about not playing hard. So I think that was really everybody's mindset when it came down to LSU. It was like, we just going to play hard and be mentally prepared. And we all were. And it came out to be a success. You had nearly a double-double against LSU, your best performance so far. What did it feel like to do that at home, in the O-Dome, in front of that crowd? Personally, it felt, it felt nice, but at the same time, my whole mindset was just, I'm just going to go out there, I'm just going to play hard, I'm just going to play hard, play hard. And the 14 points and the nine rebounds just came along with me just going out there playing as hard as I could. But, I mean, to have a performance like that at home, yeah, it felt good. I'm not even going to lie. It, was, it felt good. <laughs> You also were called on in, in stretches to defend Ben Simmons, right. and everyone knows the hype about that. So now that you actually got a chance to play him, what were your impressions of him and, and his game? 
I knew he was a big guy, but I didn't think, I didn't know he was that strong, you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, there was a couple of times where with box outs, you know, he was just hard to move. And he has a good drive and ability. Like, he can get to the line dang near any time he wanted to because almost half of his points came from the free throw line. So I think that's a strength that he has. You came to Florida from the JUCO route, so I'm curious, how did you get here? What was the path here? How did you decide to come to Florida, and what went into that? It was really interesting because, like, I originally signed my letter intent to go to Louisiana Tech with this whole staff, and then Coach Mike took the job here. And then he, like, when he called me and told me he took the job, he was going to, I guess, see if he had any open scholarships here left. And if so, I guess he was going to try to bring me with him. A couple weeks later, when I guess Coach White found out I had got my release, and I was open. He called me and then offered me on the spot, and then I just came here. I just I didn't take a visit or anything. I was just like, hey, I, I signed with him originally, so, I mean, I was going to stick to him, you know? What have been the biggest differences for you going from JUCO to the SEC? Everybody here has talent, you know. One of the big differences is just it's faster, and all the players are good. You know, all the players have something that they contribute to, so. That's one of the big differences. For you mentally, how has the approach changed? Because you were a Juco All-American, a guy averaging a double-double per game, and now you have a little bit of a different role here. So what's that adjustment been like for you? I mean, I'm glad to be a, a part of Florida basketball, so therefore any role that I'm, I'm asked to do, you know, I'm all for it. Because, I mean, I didn't expect to come here and be the man of this team like that anyway. So, I mean, I knew what I was getting into, so therefore the role I have is not a role that, you know, I don't like, you know, I mean, I'm a hard player, I'm an energy guy anyway, and that's perfectly fine with me. What have been the biggest challenges for you going from Arkansas, your home, to Florida? Adjusting to the warm weather consistently. I mean, it's, it's been pretty cold here lately, but with Christmas, I really wasn't in a Christmas spirit because it wasn't <laughs> cold, so, <laughs> so it just didn't feel like Christmas, but just... Being in Arkansas to Florida, it's just really, it's just really the weather. Did you have to go buy a lot of new clothes? How did you prepare for it? Yes. When I'm up here, I buy a lot of shirts and, you know, warm stuff, and I just left all my big coats and all that at home. I was like, there's probably no reason for me to bring it. So style of clothing, I had, you know, I had to adjust. But I know if I do go back home, I have to adjust then, too, because now I got a lot of short sleeves, shirts, and shorts and all that. Had you shifted to sandals yet, or is that too big a jump for you going to sandals? Uh... <laughs> Nah, I ain't shit to the sandals yet, you know. I mean, I, I might wear, you know, flip-flops occasionally, but nah, I don't know if I'll make that adjustment yet. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite player growing up was Allen Iverson. Right, right, right. What about AI drew you to him? He came into the league as himself, you know. When he went to the NBA, he didn't change. Like, he just stayed himself. And I think that was one of the things that just attracted me to him as a player. And then, obviously, just how he plays is just terrific watching him. AI's time has now since passed, so when you look at the game today, which players do you look up to the most? Probably LeBron and Westbrook are the ones I like the most, because like, I just love Westbrook and his tenacity and energy and then like the passion he shows for the game. That's kind of what I have myself, like, you know, I just like playing and bringing energy to my team. When you look at your game specifically, what areas do you most want to improve? What are you working hardest at to change? Oh, I think slowing myself down offensively, you know, slowing down and ball handling. I think those are two things about my game that I am trying to improve on a lot. I know in your free time you enjoy drawing. 
Yeah. When did you start doing that, and, and what do you uh, like to draw? Probably just started drawing, like, for real, for real, 11th grade. I know I drew, a, I drew a portrait of myself, and it turned out to be spot on. And then... Like, just when I draw, it's, it really just depends on, like, if I'm in a nice, if I'm in a mellow mood, you know, I just turn on some chill music and I'll just see something. Like, a, I, mean, I might see a picture of somebody's album cover or, like, a, um, a pair of shoes or something or something in, in my room, and I'll just sit there and just just draw away. Have any teammates asked you to do any, any portraits of them so far? Nah, not yet. I don't know if a lot of them know about that little talent I have, but, nah, nobody's asked me to do a portrait yet. I know... My grandma, I still got to do a self-portrait of me for my grandma, though. <laughs> Who would be the most fun teammate to draw? Probably Devin, because, you know, he got, he got the mohawk, he got the hair. And then with him, his, just, his personality, you know, it, it'll be fun because, you know, he'll be doing other things to make the drawing even harder. So, and he'll tell me to add certain stuff onto it. So that, it'll probably be Devin. <laughs> What's your favorite part of being in this Florida basketball program? It's just knowing that I'm walking the grounds of other greats. And I just sometimes sit to myself and think, like, man, I'm really part of Florida basketball. You know, somebody like Jason Williams used to go here and Joe King Noah, Al Horford. And then to see myself where they used to be, you know, and it's pretty nice. It was a roller coaster week for Mike White's team, with a disappointing performance at Tennessee immediately followed by an inspired outing back home against budding superstar Ben Simmons in LSU. That was the backdrop for Tuesday's trip to 15th ranked Texas A&M, where Florida battled the Aggies but came up just short. We talked to FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry about the week that was, and he was quick to point out how all of these games are ultimately connected. It was because of that Tennessee performance that Florida had so much energy in the win over LSU. Now, what Mike White and his team want to know, can that energy travel the way it's supposed to? And for the most part, it did at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a fourth-ranked team. They played same result, though, the fourth loss against the ranked team. Now, Florida is now 2-2 two and two in the SEC after losing by three points at A&M. Down by nine in the second half a couple times, came back, gave themselves a chance, really after not giving them a chance, a key turnover at the end of the game. It looked like A&M was going to inbound the ball and probably run the clock out, shoot free throws, run the clock. Gators get the steal. Chris Chioza gets an open three-point look. It just doesn't go down. So another tough loss, 0-4 against ranked teams. But again, Dorian Finney-Smith said after the game, we know what it takes to be competitive in the SEC. This is the way we have to play. Well, you know, frankly, Adam, you should know that by now. And so uh, that's that's one of the things that's frustrating for Mike White. And then you get some inconsistencies across some of the box scores. I mean, Kayvon Allen, who'd been red hot, I think he'd averaged uh, 16 points over his previous uh, seven games. He goes scoreless in the game, 0 for 4 from the floor. Early foul trouble, uh, too much fouling going on. Uh, A&M was in the bonus, I believe, at the 12-minute mark of the first half. Florida didn't shoot a free throw. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. They didn't shoot a free throw for 23 minutes until the 17-minute mark of the second half. So some good things to take away from it. But, again, it's the same result, and it it was a frustrating kind of finish for the team. You gave us the segue, (laughs) so let's go there. Yes. Free throw shooting continues to be a really big issue, and on Tuesday, really, really magnified. Four of 12 in, in a three-point game obviously could have made the difference. Yeah, and you were wondering if maybe going to take a few steps in the, in the right direction. Against LSU, the Gators started 8 of 20 from the line, then made 9 of the last 10, all of in the last six minutes to kind of hold off that Tiger rally. And you thought, okay, maybe they're taking a step in the right direction. Well, again, they missed their first four. They go 4 of 12. 
um, missed some key ones in the last few minutes. Um, you know, if you make six of 12, if you make 50%, you know, maybe, you know, the possession and the situations are different. God forbid you make 70% in the game and maybe you're trying to hold the ball and, and win the game at the end. But they're just not giving themselves a chance by missing all these free throws. And uh, to compound that in that game, Adam, uh, 16 turnovers led to 21 Texas A&M points. I mean, they're a team that likes to get out uh, live, you know, they thrive on steals and live ball turnovers with Alex Caruso. And some of that worked against Florida in that game. So Mike White said after the game, I'm at a loss. Of what am I going to do about this? Because it's not for lack of effort. He's, it's not for lack of repetitions. But he said maybe we'll just stop shooting them in practice. I mean, they haven't tried that yet. Maybe that's the way to go. It's desperate, but you try everything else, you, you might as well try something else. If effort is the key word, that's something that they know they're going to get all the time from Justin Leon. We talked to him earlier in the podcast. He's been just outstanding the last few games, and since he entered the starting lineup, has seemed to just get better and better. You know what's really good about him, Adam, is that he knows what his role is. He also knows what his role isn't. He knows who he's not. He's not this, uh, I'm going to go get my shot kind of guy. He kind of like plays to wherever he is. I mean, open three-pointer, he's going to take it. He made two out of two in that game the other night. Around the basket, he's a pretty good finisher. I mean, he doesn't take ridiculous shots. And the effort level for him is everything that he was brought here for. He was, he was signed by Mike White at Louisiana Tech as that kind of uh, prototypical Mike White player there, an overachiever, guys that try hard, a, a junior college guy. And he brought that here. But I tell you what, when I talked to him when he first arrived, he was just so happy to have a chance to be playing in the Southeastern Conference. And he goes, I don't care if they want me to play two minutes or if they want me to play 22 minutes. I just want to be the best player I can possibly be. And I tell you what, whether he's playing two minutes or 22 minutes, he's playing at the same effort level. And the Florida Gators would be a lot better team if they had that that uh, kind of DNA throughout the lineup. We talked last week about Ben Simmons coming to the O-Dome. Now that everybody got a chance to see him, and now that you got a chance to see him, I'm curious what your impressions were, and did he live up to the lofty expectations? Uh, I don't know that I've seen a a better college player come into the O'Connell Center since Shaquille O'Neal was here. Anthony Davis was certainly a fantastic player. Tim Duncan was a fantastic player. But what this guy can do across the board, uh, whether it's attacking the basket. Now, he can't shoot. He can't shoot threes. And, and again, he's young. That's something maybe he can develop into. But when you can pass like that and you can rebound like that and you can get to the line, I think he was 15 or 17 from the free throw line, create his own shot. And every pass he throws is right where it needs to be, whether it's on the fingertips of a player going in on a run out or an alley-oop or even if it's just a cross-court pass, it hits the guy in his shooting pocket ready to shoot. And sometimes his guys aren't ready for it. And I think if this was one year from now, he would be in the NBA All-Star game. I just think the guy is fantastic. And he's only, what, 19 or 20 years old. So kudos to him. It was really cool that the Gator fans were able to see that guy play. Florida back on the road this weekend against Ole Miss. So another challenge, another question for this team to answer of how will they show up on this particular day? Yeah, and two straight games on the road. Uh, Ole Miss is a, is a team that uh, was going to LSU on Wednesday night. They were, I believe, 12-2 and two team, 2-1 two and one in the league going into that game. Sideline, the big, obviously, pregame storyline. Mike White was a four-year starter there, a point guard. He's going home to play on the campus you know, where he graduated. Uh, won't be in the same arena. As you know, you went there last week. I'm looking forward to see the pavilion at Ole Miss, but uh, Mike White was a fixture at the 
Tad Pad, with another place that we know very well. Legendary. Right? Tad <laughs> yeah, Pad. absolutely legendary Tad Pad. But that'll be emotional for him. His first major college job was as assistant coach on Andy Kennedy's team, so he'll be facing the coach that hired him. Uh, Mike White's uh, coach crew really started as a assistant at Jacksonville State. Then he bounced to coach at his alma mater. So what he knows is that the prototype for Andy Kennedy teams and Ole Miss teams has always been a bunch of athletic guys that maybe undersized, but they are going to come at you and they're going to try to rip your hearts out. And that's what he wants from this team. He's going to see it at his alma mater uh, Saturday. And so uh, the Gators got to match the intensity and and see if uh, what they did, maybe the baby steps they took at College Station will maybe carry over to Oxford. But, you know, you got to take care of the ball and you got to make some free throws. On the heels of winning her third straight national championship, Rhonda Fain shocked the Gator Nation with her announcement that she was leaving Florida for a position with USA Gymnastics. But Fain's continued pursuit of her dreams allowed Jenny Rowland to realize one of hers. The former U.S. national team member was long considered a rising star in the coaching ranks and was an assistant at Auburn when the call came to take over one of the premier programs in the nation. After a strong performance in their season opener at Texas Women's University, Gator Vision Shelby Granath asked Rowan what it meant to make her head coaching debut. It was one of my most memorable experiences as a coach in general, uh, not just as a head coach, but uh, the skater team really made it very special. They uh, came out. Uh, it felt like I had been coaching them for years to come. It was a very smooth transition and uh, looking forward to an exciting meet this Friday in the O-Dome. Do you have a favorite memory from your first meet, maybe something that sticks out to you? You know what, just watching the athletes compete and enjoy each other's company and having fun and competing well. It, it was nice to see that they trusted their training. It was nice to see them go into a competition with new coaches and be the same as they are in the gym. And that was really nice to see because sometimes when you go into competition, you know, new faces, new coaches, it's always, it could be a different vibe. It could be different personalities, you know, that you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think it was good to see that everything was normal, just like it was in practice. And it was a very smooth transition into a competition. How did the freshmen do in their first collegiate meet? The freshmen were fantastic. We had four of the five freshmen competing, and two were not really expected to compete at that meet. However, one of our seniors became ill, and the freshmen stepped in last minute and did a fabulous job and did what we needed them to do was to hit their event. First meet of the season as a freshman, it was very important for them to gain confidence, but I think most importantly, it showed the rest of the team how they can rely on the freshmen, and they know that they're able to step in and, and be ready and compete as a Gator. And Ashley Hiller competed floor. Amanda Cheney rocked a vault. Peyton Ernst had a 9875 as her first meet as a Gator. And Alicia Bourne rocked three events, had one miss on vault. But you know what? I think you're going to be seeing a lot, something a lot different this next weekend. Last week was your first meet as a head coach, but you do have coaching experience. How did your position at Auburn prepare you for this head coaching job? You know what? It was very similar in many ways. Being at Auburn, I was allowed and given the opportunity to be involved in many aspects, whether it was in the gym or out of the gym. And being on the floor, it, it was a very similar situation. And head coach Jeff Graba allowed me to, you know, take on that role and, 
you know, embrace it. And uh, it was very similar. You know what, once the girls get in competition mode, it's really what I encourage them. You know, this is time to take leadership and take ownership of your own gymnastics, and we're just along for the ride. When Rhonda Fain resigned at the end of last season, what interested you about this job? To be honest, there's not much not to be interested about this job. Uh, however, you know, just competing in the SEC and staying in the SEC was something, you know, first and foremost that I was really looking forward to. Uh, I had a few opportunities to go elsewhere before this position. However, you know, once you've competed in the SEC, there's absolutely nothing else like it. And when Rhonda called me and asked uh, if I was interested, I had to come and, and see what Florida was all about. Staying in the SEC, how helpful is that? You know how competitive this conference is when it comes to gymnastics. It is the most competitive uh, conference in the country by far. Uh, there is not one down week you're going to have, and our down week is this weekend against UCLA, which is not a down week. But every weekend, you know, competing against every SEC team, we're all ranked in the top 20, and uh, you've got to compete at your best every weekend. When you came in, was it a pretty easy decision to keep assistant coach Adrian Burday? That was one of the easiest decisions I was able to make. Adrian and I, a lot of people don't know, but we had coached 15 years ago uh, in club for a couple of years together. So I knew his strengths, I knew my strengths, and both of our weaknesses. And you know, I, I knew we were get, we were going to complement each other well. And it was just trying to find that third piece to the puzzle. And the third piece of the puzzle is Owen Field from Nebraska. What does he bring to this team? Owen brings a lot of enthusiasm and just dedication and commitment to gymnastics itself. And being a young, energetic guy to this team, he just really inspires the girls to help them be the best that they can be. That's his dedication and that's his goal in life for himself. And you can see that shine through and the girls see that. So it's, it's easy to follow his lead. This Friday, you'll make your debut in the O'Connell Center. What are you most looking forward to? I'm super excited about this weekend. Uh, the girls have been talking nonstop about competing in the O-Dome, and uh, I'm just so ready to stand by their side and support them and cheer them on. And I'm just looking forward to going out there, being a Gator, representing these amazing gymnasts, and just having a lot of fun. Based on what you saw last week at Texas Women's University, what will the girls be working on in the gym this week preparing for UCLA this Friday? This week we're actually going to just be working on a lot of the little details. I think overall the performances were performed well, and now it's just time to concentrate on little things like handstands and stuck landings. We gave a lot of tenths away on just landings alone, and uh, you know those are little things that will improve as the season goes on. UCLA will be a tough team this week, so how are the girls preparing for that kind of atmosphere? I think the girls always rise to the occasion when, you know, a big competitor is across uh, the floor. And everybody knows UCLA is a program that is second to none. It's uh, been a, pro a successful program, one of only six universities that has ever won a national championship. So Miss um, Val brings a team and has sustained a team that has a lot of success. And uh, the girls, I know, will be up for the challenge. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to check out Gymnastics and their home opener against UCLA on Friday night in the O-Dome. And you can also see the red-hot 20th-ranked women's basketball team in action when they host Georgia on Thursday night and LSU on Sunday afternoon. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and please give us a review. 
You can also reach out and let us know what you think about Gator Tales and what you'd like to hear in the future by emailing gatorspodcast at gmail.com or tweeting at gatorspodcast. Our next installment comes your way next Thursday, and you won't want to miss it. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in the Odome.